This is Iron Mike Stedman. And as always, I want to thank you for tuning into my show, the legendary Dog Whistle Brandon. Today on DWB, I'm joined by fellow Naval Academy grad turned culinary entrepreneur, Jordan Foley, founder, CEO, and head chef at Let's Chow, a nonprofit providing vocational training in the culinary arts for veterans and military spouses using food trucks. Jordan and I have communicated online for a while since we both operate in the social impact sector. What excites me the most about Jordan's business model is his use of food trucks to help aspiring culinary entrepreneurs from the veteran community validate their business model, build an audience, and eventually either acquire their own food truck or open a restaurant. Although there are a lot of nonprofit organizations serving the veteran community, I can only think of a handful of those that do so through the culinary arts. And I want Jordan to stop playing small and own the category outright by reframing Less Child from just another veteran nonprofit to a culinary school exclusively for the military veteran community. You'll learn why on today's show. Before I pass the mic to Gunny, make sure you check out my first book, Black Veteran Entrepreneur, Validate Your Business Model, Build Your Brand, and Step Into Greatness, available on Amazon at the link in the show notes. All right, Gunny, you know what to do. Yo, saddle up, lock and load. You're listening to Dog Whistle Branding, brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media and Flawless Acceleration, where we're building the next generation of confident, resilient, and badass entrepreneurs and brands to keep you in the fight and not face down in a rice paddy. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the godfather of Dog Whistle Branding, founder of Ironbound Media, and head of brand at Flawless Acceleration. Before we jump into the show, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter at the link in the show notes, or visit our website, dogwhistlebranding.com, to stay up to date on all things DWB and FA. All right, get out your pen and paper and get ready to build a dog whistle brand. Saddle up, lock and load. Jordan, my brother, welcome to Dog Whistle Branding. What's going on, man? Thanks, Mike. Super happy to be here and really excited to tell you about Let's Chow and, and all the things we're doing for veteran entrepreneurs in the culinary space. And just really excited to be on your podcast. So when I started this journey three years ago, you were one of the first names mentioned to me for resources for veteran entrepreneurs. And to be on the podcast now talking and learning from you, it really feels great show, showing that three three years of hard work, watching you, learning from you, and, and now getting to, to talk to you is, is really paid off. So excited to tell you about the progress we've made. Man, I'm energized by your venture for a number of reasons. My listeners know that I have a, a soft spot in my heart for micropreneurs, and I can't think of anything better than launching a food truck business, at least starting out, incubating in-house. I know a lot of the entrepreneurs you serve, and so I'm excited to, to talk about it because really what you're doing is you're incubating talent, you're creating a platform for them, and you are you know, creating local impact you know, similar to me, right? So you know, I run Ironbound Box, and I know the nonprofit space. I'm sure you've played around with different business models, but it's just been very serendipitous connecting with you and learning how to support one another. Absolutely. And then the food truck, you know, being a $2.6 billion industry pre-pandemic, and it's only gone up since then, is, is mostly managed by small entrepreneurs. There's really not a lot of large franchises. In fact, Kona Ice, which is just shaved ice, is the largest franchise. The most successful food truck owners own two, three, four food trucks in a geographic area. So a great entry point for veterans who are interested in the culinary business, whether it is a brick and mortar future or even consumer packaged goods, we actually offer services for all of them. And we're finding the food truck to be this perfect little microcosm of everything it takes to not only train these veterans, military spouses and military connected refugees in the culinary arts, but also the communities we serve, we help fight food insecurity because nothing creates more great meals than culinary training. So that's what we're doing. We're, we're honing menus, creating meals, and we're giving back to the community and you know partnering with nonprofits locally to, to, to extend our impact. So really excited. Love that the food truck is part of your you know interest and visions too about the micropreneur and, and everything in between. And I'm excited to tell you about the 18 businesses we have currently in our four truck system. Yeah, man, let's get into it. Before we do, I'm familiar with Les Chow, but our view, our listeners aren't. So give them a rundown of what you guys do and who you serve. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is JJ Foley, Jordan Foley. 
I am the head chef and CEO and founder of Let's Chow. We help veterans, military spouses, and military-connected refugees start launch their culinary careers through food truck training. And we do that by operating a network of food trucks across the nation, located in San Diego, California, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Atlantic City, New Jersey, and Annapolis, Maryland, in the greater DC area. And we take in these these fellows, we call them, into our program and help them launch their businesses. Their businesses can vary from multiple different things. They could be focused on the food truck itself or geared towards a brick and mortar restaurant someday or be a consumer packaged goods such as roasted coffee. And at the same time, we provide culinary career training for people who are interested in maybe becoming a sous chef or a line cook and learning a new skill. And we are a completely free program. In fact, we pay stipends for the people in our program so you can learn, launch your business and make money and have a safety net of not going in the debt while you're competing in one of the hardest industries there is to break into, which is the culinary industry being a 50% fail rate in the first year. And uh, usually three out of five businesses will shutter before their fifth year in the industry. So happy to be a service to those who have served in, in, the, in the space and continue to watch all the businesses that have started under us grow and develop. Well, that's what excites me about food trucks, because I think it's like the perfect MVP for a restaurant. So, you know, people, you know, I'm big on as a bootstrap entrepreneur, how do we keep our overhead low? So if like I have an idea for some banging, you know, Thai nachos or tacos or something, as much as it sounds great where I want to go open up this brick and mortar location, to me, a food truck seems like a great opportunity to build brand credibility validate the business model, and do a stair-step approach to actually launching a restaurant instead of just jumping headfirst in the restaurant business out the gate and getting royally punched in the face. And I say this all the time to my listeners. There's, entrepreneurship is hard for everyone, but there are certain business models that are fucking hard, okay? Restaurants are fucking hard, right? If you go to your favorite restaurant in most, small, in most local communities, the owner is there like all the time, you know, just because it's high turnover on staff, right? Like you gotta, it's not SAS, you know what I mean? It's not like you build it and scale it a bazillion times. And so that's what excites me about food trucks. And I'm excited to learn from you what you're seeing actually being out there in the trenches with these entrepreneurs. Absolutely. You're right. It's a labor of love. You're right. You know, you got to be in their restaurant all the time or have a very trusted manager, but you're right. The, the minimum viable product, the MVP, can be the food truck. And, and sometimes it can be even even smaller than that, actually. We, we partner with a lot of different churches and American legions and other fraternal organizations to use their kitchen space to do charitable events. So we'll start out testing a menu by giving it to people in need. And from there, we'll continue to hone it and get it better and portion it differently. And then it hits the truck for a customer-based event. And then from there, we start to develop the menu, develop the, the, the chain, you know, developing the, the whole prep in the truck, whether, you know, we can get the food out on time, whether it's still hot, whether it needs some, you know, some of the process needs honing. And we continue to develop from the truck. And then from there, you know, we also help these businesses then find more opportunities. So like you said, it, it's incredibly intensive, but we're there to take away a lot of the initial stress and give them the training they need. And then when it comes to MVPs, the trucks are mobile, right, Mike? So that, that's huge. Like we can move them. So our Atlantic City truck this summer actually is going to be in Corning, New York with a Marine Corps veteran who has a fully vegan menu. And she's going to be bouncing around the Finger Lakes and the wineries all summer in a pilot season, testing out this vegan menu in upstate New York. Will it work? Our data says, yeah. But it's about grinding. It's about getting out there. It's about finding the followership. And food trucks' best friends sometimes are wineries and breweries. And if we can get a following there, that can mean the viability for the truck, which a successful truck can operate three to five times a week. But even even so, we have a lot of weekend warriors. We call them in the mo in our model because hey, people are still working full time jobs in our program, and we understand that. So so we try to we try to do the best we can with utilizing the truck and get it operating you know six seven days a week with the multiple businesses. But I, I think the biggest aspect of it is is yeah this thing moves and that's huge because that that brick and mortar fail rate is largely attributed to location. On the flip side though, Mike, regulations, the law, state practices, county practices are our Achilles heel as a food truck. So a lot of things will say where we can can operate, how much we need to pay to operate in a certain place. And what we need to do and, and food truck law is actually not just regulated state to state, 
it's county to county. And then sometimes in states like New Jersey, it's city to city. So we're, again, Let's Chow is there to help these entrepreneurs through that complex landscape. But, but what we're finding is when you can understand the landscape, the legal landscape, and also the customer base, and you can find some success out of the food trucks that way. And, and we're starting to see a lot of businesses, like I mentioned, the 18 we have right now, but Previously, the five that we've launched from the past year have started to see success in their specific sector as well. And, and we attributed that to the, the rolling advertisement, the mobile marketplace that is the food truck. Love it. Now, I got to ask, how did you get into culinary arts, right? I looked at your LinkedIn. I saw you went to Anne Arundel Community College. You know, you also won a pitch competition or something, if I'm not familiar with it. You know, bring us up to speed on that. Yeah. I mean, Mike, this journey, it's, I, I really haven't heard many people who've had a similar experience, but it, you know, it was, it was born, started becoming an entrepreneur for me actually started out of a tragedy and, and, and a willingness and, and, and want to do better. And that started, I was actually in law school at the time and I had heard it was February, 2019. Um, one of my Naval Academy buddies who was trying to start some businesses and was trying to be a solo entrepreneur after he finished his time in service he fell into debt and depression and died by suicide. And I started to research. Really, the only thing I could do to kind of you know, comprehend the grief and, and just kind of move forward was research what programs are out there for veterans starting businesses. And the trend I found is, you know, there's actually a lot there, especially when you when you when you look, you know, hard enough, but their models or at least the bulk of them, this isn't everybody, they they say they can help any veteran start any business. And, and they're kind of a mile wide and an inch deep. And I said, well. I want to invert that model where I want to hyper-focus so much in one industry, I can take a veteran from almost zero knowledge to business ownership as long as they give me the time in my program. My program is, doesn't have a time. It's indefinite. It just depends on getting that veteran to where they need to go. I grew up in a big Italian family, so cooking was just a thing we did. Like four years old, on a step stool, cooking with my grandma. So a lot of things people maybe learned through something online, YouTube, or even just you know watching shows on, on Food Network were just kind of inherent to me, like blanching vegetables, making homemade pasta, understanding when dough was ready. Like that just was a thing I knew. And I realized cooking was something I did as therapy all the time. And, and I just wanted to say, you know what? I have a passion for the culinary arts. I have a passion for helping veteran entrepreneurs. This seems like a perfect marriage and let's figure out how to combine these. And it took about a year, but then in January, 2020, I created Let's Chow. And from there, um, I always say, if we, if Let's Chow ever becomes a case study in business school, we might be the worst case study of all time because all we did to get revenue was start winning pitch competitions. That's really, that was really our primary stream of revenue. We won little ones through Georgetown. We won the Georgetown Law pitch competition, came in third in the Georgetown Entrepreneurship Challenge of all the schools. From there, started winning national ones like the street chair, formerly, you know, it was, it was formerly known as street chairs, Grant, but the Sam Adams Brewing the American Dream competition through them. And that was a national competition that we won. And then we continued to win one. We won Bark Tank or we came in second in Bark Tank and shared a prize there. And just from that, we were able to buy our first truck. And after we really got that first truck going, that came the second, third and fourth just came because the model was there. People saw what we did. We were able to get out and get our name out. And it really just started from a passion and idea and then developing this and creating what we've considered the perfect little ecosystem for launching a culinary business. And that was the food truck. And still to this day, we adhere to the mission of hyper-focusing in the culinary industry through food truck training. And, and since, since we started, we've now helped or are currently helping over 25 businesses. That's amazing. I mean, you have a very similar path, right? Don't get it twisted, man. My first few years, <laughs> my fumes were grants, you know, $2,500 <laughs> here. I also won street shares. You know, I went on my little tear for a little bit. And then I just started, I had an advisor and she's like, why are you doing pitch competitions? Because at a certain point, right, they're great. They're exciting. But then there's so much pressure on them because you're like, I hate wasting time and I hate losing yeah. them, yep, you know? Yep. And you're just like, Ugh. so like, I don't even think my ego can take pitch competitions anymore. You know, because <laughs> like, if you look at my calendar and my schedule, right, it's like, you know, I try to prioritize creating content with you or profit generating activities and to be gone for a whole day, spend all that time prepping and stuff. It stings, you know, when you don't win and you get your hopes up and all that other stuff. So kudos to you. But what it sounds like, man, it sounds like things are really taking off for you all. And I'm curious to learn 
what does your business model look like, right? So I know you and I have talked back and forth online. Some people say you should go for profit. You've decided to stay nonprofit. Talk to us about that. Yeah, the the first the first issue is the legal structuring, right? And you know the five hundred one c three internal revenue code status it, that is what it is is the tax status. You know we're a corporation, we're just a tax exempt corporation, and because we have a mission and a charitable mission, and being a not for profit that that allows us to receive grants and donations, and people to deduct you know their donations from their own personal tax liability. And grants and grants and donations still are a primary revenue stream, and the reason we're staying that way and not transitioning to a traditional Type or even like a, a benefit, a B corporation, um, is because our model right now with the trucks, we're able to open them up for the individual businesses to earn revenue from the trucks for themselves. What that allows us to do is is allow us to support them through people who want to give back to the veteran community and let them have a potential of earning a true living while they're operating their business. You know, there, there's a lot of different arguments, whether it's internally or people offering me advice saying, well, you know, if you independently operated these food trucks, you'd be pulling in that revenue. And it's, you know, I don't disagree with that. That would be, you know, definitely require some restructuring and things like that. We got to remember um, these assets were purchased on tax exempt donations and things like that. So, you know, there is a lot of legal restructuring that would go into changing our tax status. But right now, the 501c3 is the appropriate model for us, given our mission, whether it's food insecurity or helping launch veteran-owned businesses. But I like it because I have my own revenue streams that sustain me. And we kind of talked a little bit about pitch competitions, which, yeah, those were fun and good. And, you know, losing was was a bummer, but they did teach me now how to interact with donors and foundations. And, you know, that that fail rate is like nine times greater than pitch competitions. <laughs> you're, you're always failing with foundations. But you're kind of going up and they're asking to present and you're, you're doing the same similar you know pitches that you would do. And we're finding some success there. So by grinding it out in that space allows me to free up my 18 current businesses of making their own money rather than, you know, giving partial profit to us or us taking equity, for example, in their company just to give them the facilities and things like that. None of that happens with us. And, and I think that that keeps us to the purest image of what I want us to be. So I'm going to continue that status. And uh, yeah, you know what? It's risky, you know, donations, you know, recessions and things like that, that where people start, start giving less. But what we're really learning from all this is we have a mission. We're true to our mission. We're, and we're also, you know, helping people who deserve it, you know, start the American dream and, you know, accomplish the American dream. And I, I think everybody sees that. And our season of giving surpassed almost 99% of Maryland-based nonprofits for that that time period. And we're not big, you know, we're not huge, we're not small either, but, you know, that just shows that individuals are really willing to put, you know, whether it's $50 or $100 towards our cause when we ask and when the time need, when the time comes. And, and that that's pretty special. All right. I got to take some notes for you, Jordan. A couple of things I need you to apply for. I want you to look at Echo and Green. It's a social impact fellowship for all our listeners out there. I've applied like three years in a row. I was an Echo and Green finalist, didn't make it. But when you receive that fellowship, it's access to it's basically like the Harvard Business School of Social Impact, right? That's a fellowship opportunity. Obviously, the Hoover Veteran Fellowship, I think they would love what you're doing. You know, you're talking about being in the community, creating this local and economic impact, you know, creating this platform for these entrepreneurs. I love that. And then I'm a finalist in the fund for new leadership, which is echoing green times 10. All right. So I had to go ahead and submit my, I got an interview for them on May 5th. So I've kind of done this social impact hustle. There weren't too many vets in the lanes that I was moving in, but you know, I think it'd be perfect for what you're building. And I'm, you know, just talking about branding, right? You know, one thing people say is no one else is doing what we're doing. We're the first, we're so innovative. I have to think like there had to be other culinary kind of training opportunities for veterans. But when you looked at the landscape, where did you see the opportunity for chow? Let's yeah, chow. that's absolutely a great question. And then, you know, congrats and good luck, you know, on, on the fund for new leadership. That's awesome. And thanks for the, you know, the, the organizations there, we're definitely going to look into them. But when I was starting this, so, you know, I said February, 2019, I experienced tragedy, death of a friend, and we didn't start up until January, 2020, that, that entire time period, almost calendar year. I was researching the landscape, you know, and you find things like great programs like Dog Tag Bakery, amazing programs that've been in existence right there in my backyard in DC. Found those. Found a lot of community college programs that used a food truck or even a stationary food truck setup to to do a, a certificate program. So we had that. When it came to veterans, Dog Tag was the biggest name in the space at the time, and then there's other ones too. There's Milk Money Kitchens out of New York, which you're probably familiar yep. with. 
Shout um, out to Nancy Preston. Yeah. I was just at DC with Nancy at the White House. Yeah, we oh, love man. Milk Money Kitchens. Yeah, Nancy's great. She's somebody who, you know, I constantly seek advice from. And you know, that that's that's a program that's great for for entrepreneurs and we refer a lot of our New York-based veterans there. And we wanted to say, okay, there's that. Then, then there's things like Union Kitchen in DC, which is you know a similar setup, but they'll give you the space and then they'll take equity in the company and, and help you develop and help you grow. So we're putting these all together, we're saying, all right, well, you know, the, the food truck seems to really be the low overhead maximum amount of classroom space that that we could you know go with. And then also underutilized network. We mentioned it, American Legions. Almost all of them have kitchens. And a lot of them are certified just because there's somebody in the Legion that knows how to certify kitchens in the county and they'll just do it. That's somewhere where if we have an event and we need a little bit of kitchen space, because, you know, you have to actually have a kitchen as a food truck. You have to have a registered kitchen, but you can use certified kitchens based on that county's, you know, acceptance and authority over that. But anyway, you know, when we have events in Leesburg, Virginia, where we got to travel really long distance from our Annapolis truck or something, or down in Fort Lauderdale, our American Legion contacts are, are helping, you know, set up a, a great clientele list and customer base for that food truck. So, you know, utilizing those has been huge and kind of realizing that, hey, there's these networks that are untapped within the space, but also there's programs that are, you know, self-sufficient like dog tag, you know, runs with Georgetown has an academic component to it. And from that, um, we decided what we wanted to be and what we didn't want to be. And we wanted to be vocational training reimagined. We wanted to focus heavily on the vocational training within the food truck and focus on events and focus on testing with customers. And from there, we said, listen, we, we can carve out a space, we can compete, or we can create something that that is truly unique and brand new. And, and, you know, there's programs like I mentioned, but there is nothing in this country exactly like Let's Chow, which is what we utilize the food truck to do and the acceptance of not only people who want to start brick and mortars and food trucks, but also people who have consumer packaged goods and are strictly looking to get a product market fit and increase their customer base to eventually get in grocery stores and things like that. And we've had two very successful coffee companies go through that model as well. So research in the space, some, but not a lot out there. We've learned a lot about veterans and, and, and you know, how, what their barriers to entry are in the culinary industry. And at the end of the day, we wanted to be more focused on the doing, learning through doing by actually accounting, by actually sourcing, by actually serving, than we did want to focus on any type of classroom procedure, which don't get me wrong, we still have our Zoom and in-person sit-downs, but uh, the whole focus is to get out there and get operational. And I think that's what, that's what makes us really unique. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you to clarify what you mean when you say vocational training. Yeah, vocational. So in that sense, you know, there's there's the the community college version of it where a vocation would be essentially like a training to be a plumber, electrician, things like that, where you're, you know, hands-on and working on the systems. Even vocational training could be defined as what I used to do, right? Nu- nuclear submarines, right? You're you're on these reactors in Charleston and upstate New York and operating and learning how to operate, you know, run a Navy nuclear reactor. That, that's training for a vocation, training for a specific profession in the sense of your hands-on doing. That's the way we define it and understand it. And that's the way we try to define it too within the truck saying, hey, if you want to be a, a culinary entrepreneur, there, there's about 20 credits worth of classes that I took in the community college to learn how to do that. But what we are is, is a program where all that menu sourcing, the whole first in, first out concepts, the, the accounting, the, the make or buy analysis when it comes to what you should do for your menu, menu sourcing and development, all that's put to the test. When we say, all right, we've worked with you for several months now, you've had a couple charitable events. Now it's time to develop your menu. And now you're going to be selling at this brewery and you're going to have 200 customers. So what we've tried to learn is how can we quickly get these out? What, what people truly enjoy, what hits a certain customer base, you know, more uniquely than others, you know, is seafood, is seafood popular in this area or maybe not and things like that. And we, we make them test it from the truck. So that's, that's what we mean by vocational is you're out there, you're doing, you're serving to real customers and real people, but not before you go through an extensive training program with us where you're giving meals to people in need in the community. And we're walking you through not only what your menu should look like aesthetically, because we do design your menu. We do design a menu for you. We design a logo for you if you need one, but not what it should look like, but down to the pennies that it costs you to create this and what you should be selling it for too. And then you get to do that a couple of times in front of customers and say, oh, wow, I need to bump up these costs or these customers aren't buying it because they feel like it's too expensive for what it is and just bump it down. But you're doing that with our safety net. So in the same sense, 
it's that vocational training that we were talking about, you know, working on things like those reactors and learning how to become, you know, a nuke in the Navy or becoming an electrician at a trade school, things like that. All right, I'm going to go into coaching mode. I can't help myself. All right. <laughs> I think Let's Chow is a culinary school. I think that's your positioning. And I think a business model for you is about your curriculum and how you deliver it. Right. So just like there's all these online courses where you learn, that's not what you do. Right. And let's chow. Right. You're getting on the truck. You know, you're getting out. You're validating. You're getting hands on training. And I think a North Star long term could be even getting a certificate from it. Because when you think about the landscape out there, right, you start bringing less child to these conversations. Look, if you're a veteran and you're interested in the culinary arts, what options do you have? You have. Culinary Institute of America up in New York. You've got your local community colleges. And then you have Let's Chow, right? So Let's Chow, see, we have a different point of view. Our point of view is that the culinary arts represent a perfect transition for veterans, right? And we think that rather than learn in classroom, vets are used to getting their hands dirty. And so we like the food truck model because it allows us to test MVPs, yada, yada, yada. And so now you're positioning yourself differently relative to these other options out there. And that is a that's a, a what do you call a million dollar idea right there? Yeah, to totally, totally agree with the culinary school. And also, you know, to your point for certificate programs, we're creating a network of partnerships with community colleges right now. Atlantic Cape Community College is our partner in Atlantic City. And we're currently developing in Eastern Pennsylvania, Montgomery County Community College. We're currently developing a partnership with them to, to get them a food truck for another certificate program. So we, we see these partnerships. I mentioned American Legions for just the facilities, but the co community colleges as well for the culinary schools that they have in the certificates. So yeah, absolutely agree with the statement. We are a culinary school at heart. And I think what makes us you know special in that sense too is a lot of our, and like a lot of culinary schools will do this, but our focus too is the training, the training meals and the training development will go back to the community. It goes to people who need it. It goes to food drives. It goes to things like that. And we love that aspect about it, which was actually born out of the pandemic. You know, we weren't allowed to serve food for sale during the pandemic based on a lot of different regulations at the time. And we were allowed to give food away um, and people were still hungry. So we would go to a local business like Maria Jukov's, you know, tattoo parlor, better known tattoo parlor, ink tattoos, and say, hey, do you have $200 for us to make 100 pulled pork sandwiches for a homeless shelter? That business, usually a better known business that we would go after, would give it to us. We'd post them on social media, we'd make the food, and then we would go. And, and eventually, you know, pandemic re restrictions pulled back. We were able to start serving food to customers, but the five veterans in our program at the time said, hey, we should never get away from doing this charitable component because we just love what it adds to the program. And I realized service is so much in veterans DNA that this is such a vital part of the program, taking it out or not doing it would make the program less whole. And the reason I got so fired up about the school, because I'm looking at your website as you're talking and I'm like, bro, we need to have that front and center. You know, a new <laughs> yeah. type of culinary school yeah. for underserved communities, whether veteran or otherwise. And another thing that you said that I really want to talk about is I think community colleges are going to make a comeback, you know, especially now as people are upskilling themselves. And the fact that, like, you went to a I mean, you got a degree from Georgetown Law. You went to the Naval Academy. My man Jordan's out there hooking and jabbing at Anne Arundel Community College learning culinary, you know, culinary skills. I'm looking at community colleges because for graphic design, right? Because I like making my own logos and stuff like that because I love launching brands, right? So I'm like, you know what? What options are there out there? And I think when we start talking about the demographic that you're serving too, right? Let's be honest, in the military space, right? There is a class thing. You've got officers, you got enlisted, right? You got colonels and generals, right? And then you got Lance Corporal Schmuckatelli from inner city Newark, right? That yep. maybe not be transitioning out the military with a lot. And he is going to need that launch pad of going to that local community college. So I think you bringing community colleges into the fold, you putting it front and center in your POV positions you differently from these other opportunities out there. And that's why I'm saying like school is a concept that people understand. It's like, oh, damn. And then their curriculum is hands on. You know, maybe the word is incubator. But I think, you know, you have that language to where, oh, we incubate these business owners that they're able to get out there and actually get some reps in and learn what it is to be 
uh, entrepreneur. Absolutely. And, and I want to tell you too about some of the things we we took away and and were done with in the school system, traditional school system. And one thing I realized right away that I wanted to be done with was the traditional semester and onboarding timeframes and waiting to class up type stuff. We are consistently rolling and you can come into our program at any given time based on, well, how much time you're able to give and also when it works for you. We're part of a SkillBridge partnership, which DOD SkillBridge, if you don't know, allows active duty service members 180 days out from their separation date to intern at programs like ours. But that aside, I learned really early on, I had a couple enlisted sailors get into college out of the submarine. We got extended and they missed a whole semester life six months offset because they couldn't get there in August. They could get there in September, but not August. And and that was it for those schools. They had to wait until the next semester, or even next year. We did away with that. We're focused more on the working parent. As you mentioned, you know, there's some, some class type type things. You have a lot of working parents and people who just can't not have an income while they're trying to chase this dream. So that's the weekend warrior model and also earning your revenue while you're in the truck selling your stuff, you know, incentivizes this to potentially become a full-time gig for them. So unlike school, you're making money, you can do it at your own pace. There, there's no real hard requirements for hours or when you need to complete things by. We are going to stay on top of you to make sure you're you're giving the best you can. And then you can roll in at any time that works for you because we're all separating from the military at different times. So those are the things I end up doing away with, Mike. And you know, the school systems obviously need to do that for other reasons, but we don't have to. So so why would we was the thought. Yeah, man, I'm loving this. I'm getting energized just having you on. I'm telling you, we need to go head to head with Culinary Institute of America, right? That <laughs> is it. a good positioning yeah. so we can educate people about, you know, our business model and how we think. See, I'm already saying art because you're part of my tribe. Another thing you said that I'm curious to hear your feedback on is we just held a boxing show here in Newark, right? And we had a food truck smacking, right? Like, I mean, it was lying out the door, right? Going into the facility. I mean, and I asked the food truck, I was like, how did y'all do? They said, we did great. It's called hit the spot. And so part of me is thinking too of like, okay, when you're sitting down with your, your food truckers, that's what I'm going to call them or chat. What do we call it? What are your, what's your tribe called? What do you call them? They're all, they're all called fellows. All right. Our fellows. All right. You sit down with your fellows, right? I bet there are opportunities for events that people are not even thinking about, right? Like Mm -hmm. in boxing, there are amateur boxing shows that are taking place every weekend. Right. And guess what? Ain't a lot of food options. It's the same thing, yep. the hot dogs, the chips, so things like that. So part of it, I would imagine, too, is helping the fellows identify, okay, you've got this product that we're selling, hot dogs, fried chicken, whatever people are making, and then st- working and saying, okay, what are the different options we have for our audience? Whether it's I'm going to focus on local amateur boxing shows or I'm going to focus on state fairs or you said I'm going to focus on breweries and really kind of flying in the perfect fit. So I don't want to use the term product market fit, but like who's good, who's a good fit for this particular food truck and this particular product? Yeah, no, that's great. And, and that's a major service we provide, you know, with four trucks nationally, right? And almost every corner of the US, we, we got to think through some hard solutions. And a lot of people will say like, hey, what about on base? You know, getting on bases, that should be huge. Well, they don't realize like MWR and, and those, they, they're very difficult to work with getting on base. And then there's a profit share scheme that has to happen. You know, there's things where, where we start to see, okay, what's best for the truck. I mentioned breweries and wineries early on. You have a clientele that's, that's there, that's drinking events. Like you mentioned with, with boxing and things like that are, are amazing festivals, things like that, where, where we tend to not go towards are the like when you go to DC and you have Union, you know, Union Station and there's Lafayette Square and then there's up even up north that there's Farragut where all the all the food trucks congregate. Try to stay away from those for, for multiple reasons. Is one, we're still a training ground, but but two, we like we like these people to to know what how many people they'll be serving roughly. And also we like to re- do some pre-research for the client base. So that's the reason we stay away from those. And then the last one is we sometimes stay away from the big, big fairs where there are a lot of more trucks and things like that, because we do want to highlight the brand. We want to get people focused on what they are. And you've seen our trucks. They have a big Let's Chow logo on the side. And then, you know, that 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 current business also has their logo slapped in on there. It's not as prevalent as like a falafel truck that just says falafel all over it. It's like, oh, okay, I know what that is. But we're, we're a bit of a confusing branding, which is kind of where we'd use your help too. It's like, we're trying to brand the school, right? But putting 
the business front and center at the same time, it's been challenging. So like, you know, people like you, you know, who, who we rely on for, for good advice like that is, you know, we're starting to see, okay, it's limiting our options for places to serve. But at the same time, the focus is getting them out there and getting them in front of customers' eyeballs. And the more we can isolate the customer to the truck, like the breweries, wineries, and, and singular events, the better for them. And, and, and we're starting to see that even organizations like Hiring Our Heroes and, and places like that are really look interested in hiring us over any other truck just because of our connection to the veteran community. So another competitive advantage there, not to mention, for example, our San Diego truck, which is in the top 10% of earnings for food trucks is serving Filipino food, some of the best food out there, and they're part of our program and veteran owned. So nine times out of 10, they're getting hired because they got the best food, but then 10 times out of 10, they're getting hired because of the additional social mission we provide. So just kind of goes to show you that the landscape of, of branding issues and also marketing issues we have and finding customers. But uh, you know, we're, we're, we're confident that we can meet expectations with, with any other food truck, even given our training environment status, because these people are good and they're getting better every day in our trucks. That's great. Go ahead and consider me your brand advisor, bro. I'm going to throw it all at you, whatever I can do to help, because I believe in what you're doing. I love the fact that you're incubating talent. And I just had Eddie Yoon on the podcast. And Eddie is the author of a book called Super Consumers. He's a category pirate. They have this great newsletter about category design. And one of the things that we were talking about was when it comes to strategy, right? Showing up to the market. Most people spend their time either trying to be, you can try to be the best. So you're like the best at what you do. You can compete, which means you go toe to toe with someone, or you can just be different. All right. Why do I bring this up? All right. The brand of Let's Chow, serving the veteran-connected ecosystem, military spouses, et cetera, right? How do you convey that through your branding, right? Because there's a lot of vanilla out there, and there are things that we can do that other things can't. So I just did this with a dumpster rental company. That's like, his competition is all these 30-year-old family-owned businesses. They're all playing in vanilla. I'm like, dude, you need to roll out there looking like Captain America. You know, just being different, right? I got a buddy, Pat Ford, fellow Marine officer. He has a company called GI Johns. They sell Porta Johns and what's the little hand washing stations? Yeah, right? yeah. And if you look at their branding, it's American made. It looks very great, right? But again, really leaning into that. And so from the outside looking in, you know, one of the things I tell people of like, if you're trying to be associated with this particular demographic, can I tell that within five seconds checking your website? or five seconds looking at your logo. So I think what we do with Let's Chow is, we want to get to the point where people actively go out and look for Let's Chow. You know, oh, there's the Let's Chow truck. Yep. You know, it's part of, you know, Bunker Labs wants to roll out one day, this America's business mission. You know, hey, this is a part of America's business mission. They're incubating veteran entrepreneurs over there. Let's go get our stuff from there. And you really built this kind of like awareness. And so similar to what you did before of looking at the landscape, what are all the different food trucks out there? Look, what do they all look like? What does their brand identity look like? And how can we be radically different leaning into our strengths? Absolutely. And I'd be remiss to not mention, you know, some of the legal aspects of this branding and then, you know, also where we're trying to take this. But, you know, we've received our federal trademark for Let's Chow and our Blue Spoon with a star about six months ago. So, you know, that took a while to get, but now we own those marks now. And where I'm going with this too is we have a lot of consumer packaged goods in our system. We have gourmet cookies, we have vegan and alternative type protein cookies. Um, we have even people who serve, you know, bucket of bread, which is a, a dry ingredients in a bucket that help you, you know, you add water and you can use that dough throughout the week. And then coffee companies, right? Our thought was, you know, with our spoon and star logo, you know, I, I can go into a grocery store and I can see if tuna's dolphin safe because there's a stamp on it that says dolphin safe and a nonprofit manages that stamp in the same way a USDA organic is managed, this, that, and the other. Sometimes I'll see on a on a brand, like you said, big veteran known, big flashy. Oh, great, this hot sauce is veteran known. That's great. But what if our spoon and star became as well known as the Dolphin Safe, as the USDA, to, to note that this is not only a veteran product, it's a veteran product that we incubated and helped and they're doing things the right way. And, and you know, this is one of our products that we're putting front and center. So that was kind of the thought and that stems back to, you know, why it's important to federally trademark some of these things, but where it goes with that, you know, we could see that where, where it's a marketplace of our, our, you know, products that we've helped. 
continue on, you know, continue to develop. And, and that spoon and star is as well known as any of those other logos I mentioned. So going forward, our trucks now, and you know, tell me, tell me what you think about this is when we get a, a bigger partner in a truck, like our Fort Lauderdale truck, that's going to be through our coffee company there. And we're now starting to put them front and center on the wraps and have it a let's chow food truck rather than just having our branding out front and doing these things because, you know, we had so much turnover to different businesses. We're starting to really incubate businesses for two, three years at a time and letting them run the truck themselves while we let other, you know, fellows and people roll through. So we're starting to take a little step back, but stay there as well by being a let's chow food truck. So that's the, pro that's the progression started off just trying to throw our stuff all over the trucks and be unique and different got confusing for customers. Now we're saying, okay, our brands are front and center, but we are a Let's Chow food truck in the same way that Yum Brands is what is the parent company of Taco Bell and Pizza Hut and things like that. Yum eventually you know, does own them, but these are the brands that are front and center. And that's kind of what we're trying to progress to as well. I love it. And this is, sim this is no different than category design. See, what you got to do, Jordan, is you're doing an air war and a ground war. So we want that Let's Chow logo, that mark, that trademark, to be just as powerful, if not more, then this is a fair trade coffee or whatever, yep. right? Like people yep. have that, it's, it's, or that B Corp certification. So we're creating that. The thing is, for the air war, it doesn't just happen overnight. You're pounding yep. the pavement. You're setting that North Star, right? So we're mm -hmm. like, okay, this is what we want to get to. So while you're out there evangelizing it, you're talking about it on podcasts, you're writing books, you're shaking hands, kissing babies, right? You're still doing the old school one-on-one -on -one outreach, explaining to people exactly what it is. Until at a certain point, boom, it switched. Then when people see that star, right, the, 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 spoon, the spoon and star, then it, they already know what it means. But in the interim, right, you're pounding pavement and you're fighting that air war. See, most people get lazy, right? They create this brand. They set this aspirational identity, but they don't do any evangelizing of it. And they think it's just magically going to happen overnight. No, that's why I have the podcast Dog Whistle Brandon to educate people about what Dog Whistle Brandon is. Mm -hmm. You know, has it been overnight? Now people come to me, Jordan, they're like, yo, Mike, I need a dog whistle. I'm <laughs> like, bro, I got you. Let's get into it. So I think that's what you start doing on that. And I think that's a great North Star for you. I think that's what we call a BHAG, that big, hairy, audacious goal. You know, mm -hmm. we want that, that spoon and star to mean something, but we have to create it, right? Because it's just not magically going to happen. And you're going to keep doing what you're doing, showing up, grinding it out. But over time, it's going to be synonymous. Absolutely. And not to mention kind of going back to food trucks as, as a business as well, Mike, a lot of the negativity around them is that they're these grease wagons and, you know, sometimes they're not well regulated or something. I, I, I couldn't disagree more with that stereotype, but, but it, is, it is a challenge in the business, right? Being a let's child food truck, like what we're proving, it, it means more. You know, we're, we're, we're making sure you're up to date on all the codes and regulations. You're operating safely. You're well-trained. All the operators are at least serve safe qualified, which is a national certification sanitation. And, and we're starting to see that too, is it's, it's not only just this trusted brand of, well, you know, hey, that's a better known business. And, and you know, like just like the same way some of those other logos connote something. But what we're saying too, is, is there's, there's a level of of expertise, there's a level of regulation, and there's a level of safety that goes into this brand as well. And that, that's another thing we're really trying to push to is making sure we're doing everything by the book. And these companies, you know, who are, who are helping create as well, are focused on that, on that too, which, hey, if we can start to get more people like we saw during the pandemic and post-pandemic come to trucks, you never really would. This industry could really explode. And I said, you know, 2.6 bill before the pandemic, it's definitely increased. But the best thing that happened for food trucks out of the pandemic was homeowners associations, like suburban places where multiple families lived, started inviting food trucks to the pool, to the community gather. And people who would never go to a food truck started doing it and realizing this is just as good as any restaurant, if not better, and more convenient in some ways. I'm going to start you know, being a patron to these trucks in the future. And, and we're trying to continue to, to break down that stereotype I mentioned, but having that Let's Chow brand on the side, we do in those four cities that we operate in, we do believe those people understand what it means. And we're, you know, they understand that, that it's going to be good, safe food delivered the right way. I would also want you to attack these industry people that say, oh, it's a, a sweatshop or whatever, attack it head on. Because what yeah. they're doing is they're maintaining the status quo, right? You're disrupting, right? That's why people have this perception, right? Because, oh, you know, 
If you want to open a, a restaurant, this is how you got to do it the old-fashioned way. Not start a food truck and build your brand and do all this other stuff. But, hey, man, we're doing it different these days. And so don't hide from that because those conversations taking place actively is an opportunity for you to build the brand of Let's Chow off of because people are already having these conversations. And so tying it in there and, again, using it to articulate what differentiates you. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I, th- I think, too, you'd be interested to see we've recently expanded our programming to military connected refugees. They're mostly interpreters for the U.S. military in Iraq and Afghanistan. And what we're starting to discover with our programming is, is we've had to start the branding from scratch here. We, we've, we've come with these people who, who have maybe a name. We've designed their logo. We've helped design their menu. We've helped discuss their menu and, and put it more towards an American clientele so they understand what these traditional Afghan foods are like uh, or what they're similar to or what they can expect. And we're starting to finally this summer launch our Afghan cuisine in the Silver Spring area. And I think what's important, and I think you're, you're a history guy too. I mean, you're a Marine, so you're obviously a history guy. But after the Vietnam War, Fort Smith, Arkansas became the epicenter of Vietnamese cuisine in the United States because there were so many Vietnamese refugees there and they just started opening up restaurants. We're starting to see a uh, large population of refugees from Afghanistan and Silver Spring. And we found a massive amount of them interested in the culinary business. We've been able to take four of these former interpreters into our program to develop trucks and restaurants in the future. But the challenge is they need to know how an American clientele looks at branding, looks at menus, looks at things, what would be you know acceptable for the American palate in some ways as they try to expand and be more accessible to the people in the DMV. So I thought you'd find that interesting as a case study. We're obviously still working through it. This summer is going to be the first time we're really testing the menus, have had a couple minor events for food insecurity and at, at certain events at, at churches with the menus. But I thought I thought you, most of all people too, would really find that interesting of how we're developing that from scratch. And it's a, truly a cross-cultural instance of how marketing and branding can play into developing a certain cuisine in an area. So. Jordan, bro, you about to be a regular guest on the podcast. I got to bring you back, man. Because again, I'm just so energized by everything that you're doing. I also think there's an opportunity you know, for you and I to do a brand podcast just for the child entrepreneurs. You know, you were part of the Veterans Future Lab. And what I was telling people, like when you talk about category design, restaurants are always a case, a great case study, culinary in general. Because when I wake up and I say, oh, I want to go, what kind of food do I want? Do I want Thai food? Do I want French? Do I want Italian? Those are categories. And then yep. depending on where you're living, everybody knows there's the really good Thai restaurant and there's the not so good Thai restaurant. And Absolutely. so, you know, really nailing that and thinking about how you're showing up to the market, that's not a that's a non-obvious insight for most entrepreneurs. And I don't care if you went to Harvard Business School or the Stanford's of the world, but sure as hell, like a lot of micropreneurs don't know it. And so I think we have a golden opportunity there to shed some light on it and then just support each other and build. And even what, what you were just talking about before with the Afghan refugees, you know, I want you to connect with Phil Caruso. He's part of my fellowship at Stanford. And he runs No One Left Behind, I believe. That's the name of the organization. So he's been championing, making sure that, you know, these refugees have opportunities here in the country. Um, and I think there's a lot of synergy there. So, you know, my network is your network. The same for all of you that are tuning in. You know, this is what it means to lift as we climb. We keep building and supporting one another. And as we wrap up here, Jordan, are there any closing remarks you'd like to leave our listeners with so they know how they can support everything that you're doing with Flesh Child? Yeah, thanks, Mike. And this is this has been awesome. And all for all the things you said, really value your input and, and opinion and what you add to the space. So thanks again for being somebody I got to look up to doing this and now getting to sit across from you and talk about about what we're doing. This has been awesome. But what I ask for the you know listeners here is we're cons- consistently looking for referrals in our program. Whether you knew a culinary specialist in the Navy who was the best cook you ever mentioned, who ever met, and now they're looking to maybe launch a civilian career in the culinary space, or just a, you know maybe it's also a military spouse who who has a great baking home baking company that that could really you know become a great brick and mortar someday. Only if you know he or she had the, had the right support. That's what we're here for. Um, so I'm just really asking if you know those people, you can go on letschow.org. That's L-E-T-S-C-H-O-W.org. And you can find the fellowship program and they can submit a brief application and they'll 
get put into our system and we'll schedule the intake calls and, and figure out what's next for them. So that, that's that's really the, the biggest thing I want to ask of everybody is, is get us those referrals, get us those people who you think just need that opportunity. That's why we exist to elevate people like that. We have so many different types of people in our program, incredibly diverse cohort. You can look at our demographic information online too, officers enlisted, male, female, you know, all different types of people. And they're all bringing some the coolest cuisine you could ever imagine from Filipino to vegan to Afghan to coffee and pastries to, to barbecue and, and shrimp and grits and things like that and anything in between. So direct those people our way. And then also we always say too is these charitable meals, they cost us about $4 a meal. So a restaurant quality hot meal from our truck to get to somebody in need costs us $4. And, and that's all we ask for. So our pay it forward program is if you can donate $4 or any increments of four, that's exactly how many meals meals you can donate to the community. So not only does that money go to making hot meals, but it goes to training these veterans too. Remember, this is this is the point of our program is to train them. So it's training hours, training for the veterans and military spouses and our military connected refugees, but it's also feeding the community. So go ahead, go to our website, look at donate, pay it forward, $4, any increment of four, we'll buy that many meals for our training and the communities we serve. So that, that's it, Mike. Super thankful for you and all, and all that you do. And thanks for having me on. Man, it's an honor to have you on. This is not going to be the only first time we chat. Let's Child was badass. I'm looking forward to continuing to build with you. I'll be sure to include a link in the show notes. And for all our listeners, do me a favor. Make sure you go ahead and hit subscribe to the Dog Whistle Brandon newsletter at the link in the show notes. As always, if there's a topic you'd like me to cover on the show or in the newsletter, shoot me an email at michaelweirironbound.com or message me directly on LinkedIn at Iron Mike Stedman. Until next time, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week. Dog Whistle Branding is brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media, where we blend strategy, storytelling, and podcasting to transform veteran-led brands into dog whistles for your perfect customer. We believe that audio is the future of publishing, and we're committed to leading the movement for the veteran entrepreneurial community. You can learn more by visiting our website, ironboundmedia.com. This series is powered by Flawless Acceleration, a new type of coaching organization blending the old school with the new school by providing one-on-one -on -one and group acceleration coaching to help you and your team win in business. We're not here to wear name tags, drink stale coffee, and sit in conference rooms telling each other how great we all are. You can do that at your chamber of commerce or some other networking group. We're here to fucking coach. We're proud to support veteran and other badass-owned businesses at every stage of growth. You can learn more and get more at FlawlessAcceleration.com.